All right, folks, welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now, we've got a familiar face here on this episode. Longtime listeners will recognize Jarvis from our previous chats with Sirith Ungle, and he was also a co-host on our chat with Jason Howden, director of Deathgasm. But now, Jarvis is back for an official Night Demon-centric episode. And you can expect to hear us chatting about growing up in Ventura, high school shenanigans, pursuing your dreams, the occult, new music from Night Demon, multitasking, and more. As always, folks, thanks for listening. If you'd like to help the show grow, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And without further ado, here you go. Your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> All right, Jarvis, why don't you take us back in time to when you were a youngster? Were you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all of the above? I was definitely a troublemaker. I was, they, I went to like a Christian school, go figure, right? Um, <laughs> had the system where if it was either the max allotment per year was seven detentions versus three suspensions. If you got either or, or whichever came first, they would expel you from the school. But I had like, up until high school, I think I had had like six detentions and two suspensions each year. I was right teetering. <laughs> the last year that I was there, I don't think I got in trouble at all. And I remember, I still have this, like I got a long handwritten letter from the principal of the school saying how proud he was of me. That was the year that I really discovered heavy metal. It was like the height of the satanic panic in the early 90s, or actually probably the tail end of it. You know, they were showing us all this stuff to stay away from, and me and a few other guys were like, wow, this is a, this is our calling, you know? So uh, I think I remember I like made a bong and I brought it to school. <laughs> Metal's not a gateway to drugs, I, I guess it was. I didn't even know how to use it. I didn't have weed or anything. Fort builder, yeah, I was a big time fort builder. I had such a big fort in the side of my yard growing up i actually had like a club with like neighborhood kids 
I had like dossiers and files on everybody. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> we were we were way when we were kids. We were way into the like you know we were into horror, but we were we were kind of restricted from it, right? You know, like mm. we were young. Parents would kind of keep us away from certain things, you know, that we really liked like that. So we didn't have a ton of access to it unless it was on TV. But what we were into were all of like the Schwarzenegger and Stallone, Van Damme, like any of those kind of things. You know, like when you're a kid, you're like, I want to be in the army and kill a bunch of people. (laughs) You grow up and realize how lame that is. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was so glorified when we were kids and it was like. Well, here's this badass, and he just, like, in Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger, his kill count's, like, almost, like, 200 people, you know? And it's, like, those were the bad guys, you know? So you Mm. felt good. You felt good. You didn't know what was really going on in the world, right? But, yeah, one time we had a – there was, like, a rival club in the neighborhood. Um, This guy, Matt Tooker, his dad was the city manager. I remember he, like, had his own club. And one day we got freaking ambushed. We were having a meeting in my yard, me and my guy. (laughs) All of a sudden – Dude, there was, I shit you not, there were crayon bombs coming over the fence. They wrapped crayons, like, in a rubber band, like a block of crayons, you know? So we ended up winning that fight, and we captured the leader and tied him up. And I was, he tried to leave, and one of my friends, Chris David, he, like, kind of spun around, like, trying to get him to, you know, trying to hold on to him. And he hit his face on the concrete and got a bad concussion and like that was kind of the end of it i realize nowadays that's actually called i was a, a gang i was in a gang <laughs> yeah. gangs of new gangs of ventura <laughs> oh my god it gave, gangs of suburbia you know but yeah. we you know we would ride our bikes around and we would have these little spy kits and like it was full on man it was full on then i got a guitar and, and everything changed you know uh when i was about 12 but and book reading you know i gotta say if i could go back in time we always think about things that we would change about our lives you know besides probably not starting smoking (laughs) i would probably read more books i was into film and music and you know artwork and shit but like i would i was a i think school kind of did that to me being forced to read a bunch of crap you know that i never did yeah it will it'll do that to you my mom used to do my book reports actually my mom's a speed reader you can read a like a 250 page book in like a, an hour and a half you know Damn. so yeah so she would do my book reports and then kind of go look you got to know what this is about because it would be due like in three hours you know so <laughs> but anyway yeah i i really wish i would read more i can't recommend reading enough and a real book you know like a tangible book there's something that great that it does for the mind and i would be a lot better of a speaker than i than i i would speak more eloquently if i was more well read but you know i uh focus a lot more these days on reading when i can so you go to a christian school and you know you say your parents are very restrictive with horror movies so how did they feel about the heavy metal shift not too happy no they were totally fine with that because when i was at that age gangster rap was a brand new thing (laughs) okay (laughs) and i got actually (laughs) that's what i was into first and i don't know if you've ever seen the movie parenthood where joaquin phoenix's character has like this paper bag that he leaves the house with every day and his mom one day finds out that it's a bunch of porn films but i was like that i had this black leather bag and i used to have all these rap tapes in there i would get them from old friends older brothers they were members of like columbia house and bmg and shit and i would Mm. be like here's a penny give me 12 tapes you know (laughs) uh (laughs) but dude i had everything from like nwa easy e 
you know, the early ice cube stuff, the really early iced tea stuff, too short. When you're a kid, and especially in those days, pre-internet, like, man, it was insane to hear that stuff. It was like, whoa, what are they talking about? And they're talking about sex and, and stuff like this, and they're using curse words. And like, you know, it was just, for me, that was cutting edge. I was like, that. Yeah, this is like, it was an education of some of sorts, you know? It's like sneaking but, into an R-rated movie almost, you know? It's almost like an X-rated movie, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, like typical white white boy white suburban kid you know all into the gangster rap but i mean that was like that was it was like taboo and you know i hit it very, very well until my mom did find the bag just like the movie parenthood and actually made me smash the tapes with a hammer she later she, in later years she actually i mean i'm talking 20 25 years later had actually reached out to me and apologized for really? making me yeah and that was heavy i was like wow like really like you know i totally gotten over it and it's probably the best thing that happened to me because i got really into rock at that point you mm. know but still like she like decades later felt really bad about that and thought she tried to make amends with me on on that issue you know i hadn't thought about it for years um and we have a great relationship there's, there's no issues but um I think, I don't know, something kind of opened her eyes to that and just thought, you know what, like, my kid turned out okay. I mean, for me being a high school dropout, too. I mean, there's that's another side of the story. But, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I really was just not disciplined enough as a youth or not dedicated enough to the status quo, you know. And, and I just could not function in society the way that it was built for me or you know, I couldn't. I couldn't go down that path. That path that uh, everybody else was following. And I'm not saying that it was necessarily a great thing to be that rebellious. I think that you know, again, reading more books and finishing school would have taught me a certain level of discipline that I really could have used in my 20s. You know, um, but here we are. You know, we <laughs> we all we survive and we move on, right? But yeah, that's funny thing is my dad played in a, Michael Anthony from Van Halen and my dad had their first band together and they were like childhood best friends Damn. and they stayed back throughout the years but obviously Mike kept playing you know and joined Van Halen and one of the things that really see when I was the kid I didn't care about that stuff like whatever my parents liked wasn't cool so they were into Deep Purple and Van Halen and <laughs> And I was just like, eh, until, until the 19, I think it was 1989 or 1990, the album As Nasty As They Want to Be by Two Live Crew came out. And it was really controversial. They were having sex with girls on stage. They got banned. The album got banned. And it was the first album that, this was after the PMRC thing happened, but this was the first album that you had to be fucking 18 to buy this album. And I remember getting a hold of the record and listening. They had a song called The Fuck Shop on there. The intro was the Sweet Child of Mine riff into the Ain't Talking About Love, Van Halen riff. And it was like hearing the electric guitar like that on Virgin Ears. Those two, I mean, I don't care about the, the Guns N' Roses song so much, especially these days, but just the intro riff, right? And then that Van Halen first Ain't Talking About Love riff where he hits that harmonic and the flanger and sounds all crazy. Like, that was just, man, that really piqued my ears more than just, you know, because rap had just very simple beats and very simple rhymes back then. It was like nursery rhyme stuff almost, you know? Anybody, if you can write a rhyme, you can cut and have some kind of rhythm, you can do something. It wasn't crazy stuff like Eminem or DMX or whatever came after, like the guys that could really flow and had like a lot of talent, you know, physical talent, right? Mm. So when I heard the, the those two guitar riffs, I was like, holy fuck. And I'm thinking, this whole time my dad's trying to expose me to Van Halen and it's like it's right there in front of my face man that's the long answer to your first question <laughs> <laughs> 
So the high school dropout side, was that metal related or other things? Oh, yeah. I left high school. Well, first of all, after my junior year of high school, I was I went to summer school and I mean, I was flunking hard. So like I had a lot of credits to make up. But what I when I was 16, I got a job at a concert venue and I started like booking shows like big shows. I just kind of back then there was no FaceTime like this or anything. I would send faxes to agencies like in New York and be like, hey, I want to book Slayer or something. And shit would happen, you know. And so I had a the owner of this concert theater like he was kind of back, you know, so like it worked out. But the thing was, is I had moved about a half an hour away from my school and I was doing some late fucking nights, man. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to bed at 4 a.m. and roll into school at eight and just sleep through my classes. And then I just kept going on with that lifestyle and about a Two months into the school year, there was a band that were friends of mine that had already kind of graduated school and they had got a record deal and they were going to go on tour and they needed a tour manager. And I go, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm doing this. And that was it. I fucking I turned 18 in February of that year and I walked into the school office and said, where do I sign? And my guidance counselor was trying to reel me back in. But I was like, dude, I've been talking to you for years and you never did shit for me. Like, you don't even really know who I am, you know? So, you know, whatever. No regrets. It's the it's I ended up finishing high school later for my mom. You know, I mean, there was kind of an easy way out where you can kind of take this proficiency test. Years later, I did that. And it was like, OK, you know, how are you smart enough to have a high school diploma, basically, you know, and I, I passed that test and I said, OK, well, I've got that piece of paper and nobody in my life had ever asked me for that as no. any requirement. of it. The first job I applied for was at Walmart. I wore a suit. I shaved. I like cut my hair and they fucking didn't hire me. And I said, you know what? Fuck this, dude. This is the the two worst possible things that could happen in your life is dropping out of school and not getting being able to get a job at Walmart. You know, <laughs> when you wear a fucking suit and you're literate, those things turned out to be the biggest blessing because it really just taught me that, like, look, man, I'm on my own out here. Nobody's going to come and save me but myself, you know, so I better I better put my nose to the grindstone and just get out there and start the hustle. And I, mm -hmm. I've been hustling ever since, you know, definitely been doing that. Uh, when did you first pick up the bass? It wasn't until the early 2000s. I was always a guitar player, but I had joined a band that needed a bass player. And when that happened, you know, I kind of went in there and thought, oh, this is easy. It's only four strings, you know, and I was kind of drumming it and like they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, so I really learned the technique of bass playing. And it really kind of just I found myself when that happened because it was one of two things. First of all, there's so much competition with guitar playing. Like, I was never going to be the best. And, like, I wasn't striving to be. I just kind of thought, well, I need something that I can be the best at, you know, <laughs> and that I want to be the best at. And when I started learning how to play bass, I was like, okay. And I started really incorporating a lot of my guitar chops in it. I've never really looked back, man. Like, you know, I still fuck around on guitar here and there. And, mm. and I played guitar in a surf rock band after that, which is cool. Uh, but all instrumental stuff. But, yeah, with the bass, I've really come into my own and, like, have, have done some stuff that I think is a bit innovative and influential, at least in my subgenre, in a three piece heavy metal band, you know, there's some things that we've done and some things that on this new record that that I'm doing that's like really outside the box kind of stuff. So I'm pretty proud of that. And 
it's funny like i get a lot of people send me memes all the time these bass player jokes and it's like well dude i play a flying v bass i shred on it and i'm the singer of the band so it's like i'm not the guy sitting in the back with the bass slung up all high on my chest and just kind of standing there so but that i thought that's pretty funny whenever whenever i get that stuff you know (laughs) (laughs) all right jarvis so before we go too far into music i know that you're at least intrigued interested uh, in the occult the strange what have you where does that interest begin you know is it a horror movie early on leading you to search for that feeling or personal experience what is it yeah i mean i remember one of my earliest memories is you know watching like nightmare on elm street and stuff uh Mm. Uh, I, I was into horror very young. It started with horror, yes, and then it got into more esoteric things as I got older. I had in high school, well, really metal, to be honest, you know, got me into Lovecraft and stuff like this. Mm. And, and from there, I got into, I got a copy of the Necronomicon when I was young, and I was like, what the fuck is this? I don't understand this. <laughs> then, I got, then I picked up a copy of the Satanic Bible, and I was like, okay, there are some things in here all the things that I picked it up because it was taboo growing up in in a Christian environment. My parents weren't really religious, but they wanted me to go to a a better school to get a better education because I was getting into fights a lot in public school when I was really young. And yeah, look how that turned out, right? (laughs) Better education, you know. But those were very formative years. I was very happy about that because I I still have lifelong friends from that. It's a very small system. You know, you grow Mm. up with the same 20, 30 kids your whole life. And it's it's actually a really, it's a really good good thing teaches you how to nurture relationships throughout the years and anyway uh the satan thing being such a taboo i really realized when i started reading levey's work at a young age that i was like man this is not at all what what the people that are supposed to be guiding me in life are talking about Mm -hmm. they're they're full of shit you know (laughs) this is about living free and so many of those concepts and total environment things like that i mean you can look around i mean i'm sure the listeners can't see but i'm here in my office and i'm surrounded by my life's history with sirathungal and night demon and like all of my accomplishments i guess you know and like uh you know some people may say that that's very uh vain and self-centered i don't i don't care i think it's a way of celebrating the positive past and giving you confidence that you know you can do you did this before you keep doing this kind of stuff right and levey taught me that stuff total environment you know surround yourself with music you like he used to say like you know news paper clippings and stuff like this and stuff uh, books that interest you and paint your room the color you want you know you have to be immersed into that kind of environment to be inspired but from there i really really got into metaphysics and especially when that book by Rhonda Byrne, The Secret came out and they made a movie about it. It kind of brought it into the mainstream culture where a lot of people were talking about it, but there were a lot of holes in that. If they're in the new thought or the positive thinking movement, I mean, that's this stuff goes back to the 1800s. And then in the early part of the 1900s, you had a lot of people like Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill and Alan Carr and Manly P. Hall, who mm-hmm. wrote The Secret Teachers of All Ages at age 27, you know? That's so depressing. I, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You know, or Neville Goddard, you know, like there's always. And so I kind of thought of myself as like, look, there's something to this positive thinking movement. But when you tie it into the esoteric and, and the occult, I mean, that's where the real secret is. And you not the Oprah Winfrey version, you know, like it's it's it goes it goes beyond just thinking positive. There's a lot of action that's involved in it. Ritual magic. And, you know, I've tried all kinds of shit. You know, but now I'm at a point where it's just such a part of my daily life. You know, it's like I'm going to paranormal conventions with my girlfriend all the time. (laughs) 
I'm constantly reading and listening to any podcast I can, and I'm meeting a lot of people and becoming friends with some of the most influential people of the day. It's funny, the band is a really good gateway to that. You know, people are kind of like, oh, he's this, he's this kind of got semi-famous guy in this band. And, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm rubbing elbows with the top like parapsychologists in the world, you know, and we're having intellectual conversations. That for me, see, this is the thing that I, if they would have taught this kind of stuff in school or at least had an option, if they would have taught like, here's how to fucking do your taxes, here's how to budget your bank account, here's how to talk to people, here's how to expand your mind and believe in yourself, and here's some other things to think about, like I would have been there all fucking day long. <laughs> there are so many taboos in our modern society because we give things a label and a lot of people think like that if they're fucking with anything in the occult that you know they open up this doorway to all this evil and negativity that can happen and that's really not the case man and you know it's all about your intention with this stuff and i'll tell you what the top people in the world they don't think that they don't know about this kind of shit or advertisers or politicians you know they have a certain way of speaking to you that influences you on how to do things and being a aware of that is super important right do you think that you would be as successful as a musician if you didn't have some of these practices that you've picked up Not way mm. no fucking way no way i mean look i started in 19 when i was 30 years old all of my friends were well most of them were like going like hey i'm gonna stop playing music now i'm gonna get a real job and start a family you know and i kind of went the other direction but i had that literature as a guide i mean i was even listening i had this tape by this guy brian tracy that he made in like the mid 80s you know and in 2013 i probably played this tape on repeat at least two to three times a day it was about an hour and a half long and it took me about 14 months of doing that till something really got ingrained in my head. Actually, I take that back. That was probably like 2011 and that I was like, holy shit. Okay. Like there are ways to be a responsible human being, but you got to be responsible to yourself and you have to take risks, big, big risks, you know, and just, and follow through on it. We got to a point where we were just literally hungry and trying to eat as a band and said, well, it sucks to be homeless in your 30s, but there's no other way, you know, like you, you need, this will test you. A lot of people say they talk about things that they want in life, but do they really want them? You really want them when you actually do them, but you have to put yourself in a position for that. If you have all the, you know, we have great comforts in life right now. Everybody bitches about how bad things are when they're on their computer and in, in their heated home with all their sur nice surroundings, you know, but when you don't have that and you have a dream, there's no other option, you know? Well said. You guys are a hungry band. Ta take us through the the initial formation of Night Demon, the first yeah. formation. Yeah, myself and our first guitar player, Brent Woodward, had an idea to start like a new wave of traditional heavy, or new wave of British heavy metal inspired band. Just basically set, you know, we were both in other bands at the time that were touring and, and uh, we had day jobs and stuff too. And, and uh, we were just like, let's just do this thing and let's put out an EP and write four songs and call it a day. And that's that was our intention. So our friend Pat Bailey played drums and he was into the same stuff we were so we had five rehearsals and on the first four rehearsals each of those rehearsals we wrote a song and on the fifth rehearsal we recorded what is now known as the debut ep so it went pretty quick um, damn yeah yeah and there was no intention of being a full-time band we didn't think that anybody would care about this stuff so we sat on it for about a year and a half and then decided to release it digitally or send it around to some kind of some websites and 
from there, it kind of, I mean, the story is very long, but for anybody that wants the full story, you can listen to the Night Demon Heavy Metal podcast. We've uh, definitely broken this down. Yeah. <laughs> hours and hours of content where you can hear stories from everybody and all the original demos, what have you. But yeah, from there, it was kind of like we started to get some attention internationally and from some labels. And it was like, hey, we're getting offered to go play a festival in Europe. This is insane, you know? And at that point, you know, like I said, I was in some kind of a depression. And mm. I think we all were in a band. You know, you get to a certain age and you're just like, God, what have I made of my life? I've got a lot of great experiences, but I never, like, did I ever really go f for what I really wanted? Did I ever do that, you know? And now is always a good time for that, whenever that is. You know, there's there's certain things that do limit us, and this is why I differ with the teachings of, like, Rhonda Byrne with The Secret. It's like, if you're 65 years old, you're probably not going to be in the NBA. We have to understand that, but that doesn't mean if you have a passion for basketball that you can't do something at age 65 that and be completely involved in it and climb the ladder of the the world of of basketball. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you really can, you know. So I think we have some physical limitations on Earth, but they're not as bad as you think that they are actually, you know. So we were kind of like, look, we're not, you know, rock used to be a young man's game. You know, all mm -hmm. the labels were like, who's the fresh, hot, young meat? You know, who's the 18 year old? <laughs> who are the band? What's the band coming out of high school? It's going to be the next big thing. It's not like that anymore, you know? And thank God it's not. I like to see the older guys get up there now and prove it and still do it, you know? So I've still got a lot of years in me, but I'm glad I did it when I did it. And it's been a great decade. Yeah. And you mentioned how, you know, rough it was early on and having to take that chance. When did you see the silver lining and realize, okay, this is going to pay off for us? This coming Friday. <laughs> 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 Here's the thing. Like, it's good to have dreams. It's good to have goals and concrete goals at that. I highly suggest having them in writing and revisiting them on a daily basis. But the journey is never ending you know mm. there's no retirement in sight there's always something more you're gonna want there's ebbs and flows too man i mean you've seen it with bands waves of popularity the trajectory is rarely just up you know if ever i mean i could even say that about the biggest bands they may have more money than ever but creatively what's the output you know right, is it right right you know what or have you know sometimes they've dumbed down their audience in my opinion you know and great art is what lives on not the money in your bank account you know i've never right. seen a never seen a hearse pulling a u-haul you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> so you know it's it look you just i'm just i'm committed to it i've realized it's who i am i tried to fight it for years and have plan b but when you have plan b you end up just doing plan b you know so it's like you have to full you have to go fully into it and look i'm not saying everybody should it's to do this it's not for everybody but if you ever really really want to succeed and really be at the top of that you have to go into that hunger mode you know it's like i think a lot of people they they always get scared because they think they don't know how they're going to do it start thinking about that it creates a lot of anxiety but all anxiety is is a fear of something that hasn't happened the worst things that have happened to us have never actually happened <laughs> and you, you have to take that jump of faith without a, a net sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. You got to shoot for the stars and land in the clouds, you know? I mean, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I Look, I just think it. you, you, you got to know who you are 
And if you don't, as long as you're consistently searching for it, you'll be in a good place. You know, there's just so many things in our in this in our 3D world that they tell us things that aren't really true, you know, and we believe them. And we're, we're stuck in a bit of a matrix in a way. I don't know. I'm not saying that our real body is in some pod right now like we're hooked up to some ivs and we have no body hair i'm just saying uh, you know look i don't know i just highly recommend anybody out there that's searching for more in their life to ditch the dogma and start reading up on some metaphysical principles and you know i know this sounds like crystal twinkie shit but anything to get you in the right frame of mind to feel confident to move forward and realize that the little things, the little stresses in life don't matter, but the small accomplishments and, and achievements in life do matter. You don't have to be, you don't have to 180 your life immediately. You can take small incremental steps each day that equal something big, you know? But Tony Robbins always says, and he says, people, uh, they overestimate what they could do in a year, but they underestimate what they could do in a decade. So I really love that quote because it's so true. After a decade of this band, you know, we're a lot, we've done a lot, a lot of things that we didn't plan on doing until after that. And it's, and it had happened in like years five or six, you know, so you just got to commit to who you are and, and stay in the game. You know, another thing in careers is people ask always like, what's the secret to longevity? And the real answer is longevity is the secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're looking for. I mean, just stick around, mm -hmm. man. Go in and stick around. Look at some of these things in music or in, in acting careers or whatever, you know, things that have happened to some of these people. You know, there's some of the great character actors of our generation. Their, their career didn't kick off until they were in their late 50s, you know, and their whole life they'd just been acting and acting and acting and wanted to be this leading man when it turns out that if that would have happened, their career would have been over in a flash, you know, or they would have been some child has been actor, you know, and it's like here they come in the prime of their lives and they have all this experience now and now they can't they can't turn away enough work, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, look, I always like steering the conversation back to things like this. I mean, I could talk about music in my band all day long and I do, but I think these are the important things and I think you're kind of asking the right questions here. Right, you know, people give Tony Robbins a lot of shit, and uh, but you know he's he's got some good nuggets out there. I've had several people say that uh, they've listened to Tony Robbins and picked up nuggets from him. Well, look, they give LeBron James a lot of shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, like it's a it's a known fact that success breeds haters. So, I you can't look at a guy like Tony Robbins who owns over 110 multi-million dollar businesses that have nothing to do with what he talks about and all the people that he's motivated to go out and do something with their lives you know i mm -hmm. mean whatever you know <laughs> he's gonna be a target for that and and rightfully so whatever you know i don't think i don't think it's bothering him too much right i'd be remiss if uh we skip past the first night demon album uh curse of the dam without talking about the howling man Tell, take us through some of your, your inspiration with the Twilight Zone and growing up on the Twilight Zone and why that episode specifically spoke to you so much. Because that's my personal favorite. No one else knows out there. That's how me and Jarvis kind of kicked it off. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Well, it's, to me, it's the best television show of all time. And it comes right out of, you know, what I feel is like the golden age of television. I can't say enough about it. I still watch them all the time. It has aged so well and there is so much from that era that has not aged well especially when you're talking about literature 
dealing with anything in the esoteric or supernatural or social consciousness. I mean, there's lessons here that are still valid today. And they touched on a lot of heavy stuff when you're talking about the early 60s. You know, there's still a lot of stuff with, um, as well as like, you know, EC Comics stuff that I read mm. a lot. You know, William Gaines, you know, Rod Serling, you know, those guys were, were visionaries of their time, you know, and I think outsiders in a way. And they kind of found a way to get into the mainstream through science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And kind of, they were the pioneers of their generation. And they kind of showed the world that, you know, the stuff that scares us can teach us a lot. It's not influencing people to go out and do these things. It's making it okay for us to witness it and understand it so that we don't go out and do it, right? But the Twilight Zone had so many great writers and they would adapt stories you know, from Ray Bradbury and um, sorry, some of these some of these guys are escaping me right now. My brain's a lot of tired. Richard Matheson in there. Richard Matheson, yep. I mean, God, yeah, he 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 wrote at least a dozen episodes for the Twilight Zone. Buck Houghton was a great producer. Just some, I don't know, man. I don't think there's a bad episode of the Twilight Zone. To be honest, Agreed. I really do think there's a bad episode. It was filmed so beautifully. Uh, some of these stories take place in one singular location and you just don't you don't even think about it you know we're living in the world of the 250 million dollar marvel movie which is all green screen the story you know the storylines adapted from from these comic books like are are not even close to anything that you know charles beaumont wrote back then for the twilight zone which he did write the howling man the howling man is I, it's hard for me to pick a favorite but it was a uh, favorite enough at the time to write a song about it. My goal is to, my girlfriend and I have talked about this a lot, is to write an album, is to write a song for each episode. You know, obviously we're talking what? Is there 156? Yeah. 156 over five seasons. And <laughs> like Fat Records put out a record in like 2000, I think it was called Short Music for Short People. They had like 101 bands playing 30 second songs. I thought maybe it'd be cool to do something like that that's a little more manageable, but man, who knows? It would be a great Night Demon concept to to really dive into that. So we'll see, but I can't recommend this show enough. I mean, and it's in black and white and it doesn't need to be in color. It's like, it almost makes it better. Everything that's come after it has been a bastardized version of it. You know, I liked Outer Limits. I liked Alfred Hitchcock Presents. You know, I loved all of those. I loved all of those theories, you know. Did you watch the Night Gallery at all? Yeah, I got into Night Gallery. For those who don't know, that's uh, Rod Serling after the Twilight Zone was canceled. That was his his next series. It was cool, but it just didn't have the same magic, you yeah. know. And, and it was in a uh, an era of of TV and film that was a weird in between phase as far as the way that pictures looked, you know. Color TV was a thing then, but they hadn't quite mastered the art of contrast between light and dark. And the darkness parts were pretty dark, but they weren't scary dark, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's. We're talking about a visual medium here, so that does matter. That does matter. Yeah, and, you know, Twilight Zone being such a big black and white product, and then you go to the night gallery, and then it's that weird color. You're used to seeing Rod Serling in this black and white. is kind of jarring at first because he doesn't look good. You know, he looks, health-wise, he looks much more further along and downhill in the night gallery. That was near the tail end of his life, mm-hmm. and, you know, smoking a whole lot more and you know it sucks we lost him to that that's why i said one of the things i would have done if i could do differently is not smoke cigarettes you know i smoked cigarettes for 
over 25 years and you know it's like same thing we lost walt disney too soon because of that stuff too you know so yeah it's funny it was a part of the culture and you know the mil the, they gave it to you in the military to toughen up and your doctor said man you're not feeling good you should have have a smoke man uh you know but <laughs> but uh but anyway yeah look i love all that stuff you know i used to watch a lot of dark shadows too mm. but that was more of a soap you know yeah and, when there's um you know 28 seasons it's it's hard to you know <laughs> keep yeah keep keep up on it you know so so i have a note here i wanted to ask you specifically about 2020 i don't really ask a lot of people about the pandemic but uh you make a lot of moves specifically the podcast you know you release some singles did you pull the tr trigger on the podcast as a way to stay busy or was that already in the works okay so in 2018 we decided that in 2020 what we were going to do instead of release a new studio album is we were going to release singles and we would we would release one every five weeks and not let anybody know about it like we would just drop a set and it, like a seven inch a physical single with a brand new a side and a cover song on the b side and we every five weeks we would do this while we were touring and we'd add a new song into the set and that's how, that's that was a, an interesting plan that we had and the label was kind of against it at first but then they thought you know what let's let's give this just let's give this a shot this could this could be something cool in hindsight it was and a lot of people have followed it since then what happened was obviously the pandemic hit our first single was scheduled i believe for april 3rd 2020 so right when the first lockdown happened look all this vinyl had been made for all these singles and <laughs> they were coming out and so it was great people were at home and they we had their attention they, mm. there was nothing but it could do so the singles got a lot of traction we went around the world and recorded each song with a different producer and people that we were on our dream list to work with like we went to denmark and recorded with fleming rasmussen who did you know the first or uh, the the metal albums two through four we recorded with steve albini in chicago did all analog recording with him and we did a song with matt hyde you know we were getting around and kind of doing this thing and what happened is we were still kind of writing some songs for these singles in early 2020. And when the pandemic hit, we just go, man, let's just cap this at five, seven inches. So in August or July of, of that year, there was a there was another podcast called Talking Maiden. It was an Iron Maiden podcast. And they had been running for a few years straight. And they decided that they were going to hang it up. And the host of that show hit me up and said, hey, what do you think about doing a Night Demon podcast? And I was like okay like that that'd be cool like a like a series you know like a like a 10 parter or something and he's like no like a weekly podcast that runs indefinitely and i was like you gotta be <laughs> i was like what are we gonna talk about you know he's like i think there's a lot here and i was like yeah but man a weekly podcast and so we kind of decided to take a more journalistic approach with it i don't know if you've ever heard the winds of change podcast it's an eight it's fucking great it's i highly recommend it for anybody out there you won't you won't have to invest your life into this okay it's it's an eight part series so there's an eight episode podcast basically hmm. that talks about conspiracy that the that the cia wrote the scorpion song winds of change and there is fucking heavy, man. There's a lot of shit in there that I'm already like, intrigued. Oh my God. <laughs> it's incredible. But you see my it's really face. Well, yeah, it's really well put together and it came out right around that time. And so we thought, well, let's try and follow this format. So it's a very journalistic approach to what we do. It's, it's, I think. 
This week will hit episode 135. We've never taken a week off. And I think out of that whole time, we've done two live episodes. Okay, so it's not guys sitting around talking. It's a host that puts together a story arc. And every episode has a topic about the band, whether it's a tour, a show, a song, an album, you know, and there's a lot of guests on the show. So there's sound bites from people, fans, people in our crew, record companies, agents, guys from the band, of course. You know, we break down songs. You know, he has full access to the band. So there's isolated tracks, there's demos, there's anything you could think of. There's recordings of, there's outtakes. And, you know, we have a ton of bonus content with our subscriber section. So, I mean, all this stuff is available. And, and now it's a mass too. I mean, if you're a hardcore Night Demon fan, that's where you want to be. The information is out there and it's for the hardcore fan. If you're a casual listener, it's the story, it's the true story of a heavy metal band in, in our modern era and kind of how everything works. That's really interesting. I really never thought we would have that much to talk about, but we've got like if, if the band stopped now and nothing ever happened again, we would probably have another probably another two years of content of stuff that Ooh. we haven't even, stuff that we haven't even got into yet. So it's a gift, man. I'm so glad that we have it. There's a couple people that are writing books about the band and they kind of look at this as a reference library mm. or bibliography almost as to where to go with certain things. And I think the best thing, last thing I'll say about it is the best thing about it is we have a rule that nobody is ever allowed to talk to anybody before they record their commentary. So nothing is doctored up. The stories 90% of the time line up. And if they don't, it's kind of an interesting take because it's like, wow, I never thought that that guy felt that way about that situation you know and i didn't it's cool because there's always something that somebody remembers that you don't it's completely open and honest there's a lot of things that i've admitted on there that i'm not very proud of but it's so good to get the you know i just want to tell the real story of our lives it's 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 hard to be vulnerable like that but man it feels so good it's like a form of therapy but you're kind of doing it with the public so but I, the people I, that are listening to that are your fans you know and that i mean they, you know dude there's you as you know there's so much noise in the world like when you do these podcasts it's like you get traction when there's an episode of somebody that somebody really likes right there's like somebody like me who's kind of like okay, I kind of like everything that Justin's doing there, but like, I'm not into voice actors or anime stuff. So like, I'm not going to listen to those episodes. Right, but right, right. For the most part, there's stuff there, right? Mm. But yeah, I think that I look, I'm a big fan of, you know, the things that I do read the most besides occult literature is rock biographies, you know? And I've read so many on people that I really love and I can tell right away, I'm like, man, this is fucking watered down, you know? This is fucking watered down. Like, this is this is a way of this person going out to try and tell the world, like, this is how I want to look. And I just, it's helped me to say, look, that's not, I'm not interested in that. I just want to, I want to put my faults out there. I just want to do that. I think people, it's way more relatable to people. And I think, I think people respect us a lot more for, for doing that. People can sniff out bullshit, you know, they appreciate authenticity. Totally, man. That's really what it boils down to. Just kind of sticking on the manager thing. How do you yeah. navigate the pandemic through that perspective? You know, you manage a shit ton of bands. So now that things are opening back up, how do you manage Night Demon and you manage these guys going on tour and those guys going on tour? You know, it just seem like you're pulling yeah. in a thousand different directions. <laughs> at one point this year coming up, I've got it. I've got a period where all of my bands are on the road at the same time. <laughs> and everybody's re releasing something. 
you know? So, I mean, look, you just got to do it. And the thing you got to realize is it sucks because I'm a bit OCD about things too. And it, it's, I'm, I'm trying to get over stuff like that. I think everybody needs to realize you can't do everything. You cannot. You will never get it all done. It will never happen. But there's always time to get the important things done. So if you have a to-do list, boil it down to two, like two or three things, you know, and just go, look, if I could get this shit done today, I win. But you have to prioritize those things. A lot of people are activity oriented and I like to be a person that's more result oriented. Mm. You know, what's what's one thing that's going to help 10 other things if I do it? You know, you have to look at like the compound interest of things, you know, it's like, uh, you know, really, I mean, it's kind of like, hey, if I go to the gym, then I'm going to live longer and I'm going to my brain's going to be sharper and I'm going to be in a better mood. You know, it's like we could do, sometimes you could do one thing that's going to help a lot more things. So you got to look like, you got to look at that in business too. And you have, another thing is responsibility. You can't do a job like that without being responsible. If I book an agent to get a tour for a band and he fucks it up, I have to go to the band and go, hey guys, I fucked this up. Because I'm the one who hired this guy to do this you know, I find that in this world today, there is not enough responsibility and accountability going around. And that's the only way you're ever going to be respected is if you got you have to be accountable for the things that happen, even if things aren't your fault. It's helped me a lot. You know, I used to have a lot of like road rage or somebody would cut me off. Now, dude, honestly, now I just go, look, I mean, look, every time I'm not perfect, but every time I can, I'm just like, hey, this I don't know what's going on in this person's life. <laughs> I've been there. I hope that they sort that out. But like nothing catastrophic happened. There's no need for me to get fucking worked up about this shit. And it's literally in the past because right. it already just, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, but look, I mean, I've got a lot of stress in my life and I'm trying to do more for less things than less for more things. Because any, any way you divert your attention, it's taking time away from something else. Yeah. There's only. We only have, you know, I, I don't believe time is linear, but on this earth, it is linear and we need it in order to, to function and structure ourselves. If I, if we didn't have a time set up for this interview, it, it wouldn't happen, you know? So yeah. yeah, that's my advice to anybody out there who feels like they're juggling. Try and, and that's, a, I'm not a juggler, but that's a juggling secret too. They, there are certain things that you focus on that you think you wouldn't. And it's a very simple thing of focusing on one ball going back and forth and your your mechanics kind of do this thing so muscle memory essentially yeah, yeah totally yeah so we're almost an hour in jarvis and i think we need to mention the new album <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of podcasts and a shit ton of <laughs> press out there right now about the new album so i think there's a much more i, I prefer this exchange you know but, <laughs> yeah. let's, but let's talk about it yeah all right, so new album Outsider. You uh, said that it's the first full-fledged concept album for Night Demon. Why now? We tried to do it on every album and it fell apart. <laughs> and <laughs> it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> but we have we had some time, you know, with the lockdowns and stuff, and uh, we stuck to it. And the last ten percent of every job is the most important, you know. And we we really just to the end figured this thing out, man. So what is the concept for Outsider for folks out there? It's a it's a story about a young man who grows up in a very small town and for some reason nobody has ever left this 
town and be and has been seen from again and nobody has ever entered this town and it's surrounded by this kind of supernatural green mist see now we're getting into the stuff that your listeners really like <laughs> so our main character johnny decides to leave the town by the way he grows up as like the his family owns the graveyard in town so he's like a grave digger he leaves the town and much to everyone's dismay he sneaks out in the night and leaves he gets sucked up into this swirling green mist on his long journey, and he ends up back in the same place that he came from. He's very shaken by this and going, how is how did this happen? But whatever, okay, I'm glad I survived and I'm, I'm back. What he soon realizes is that he's in an alternate reality of where he came from. Things kind of look the same. The people he knows are there, but they act completely different. They're completely different versions of themselves. He runs into a version of himself and is completely shocked, as well as his other version. This version of himself is not is not really a great person. A fight ensues, and our main character has to kill his shadow self, basically in self-defense, and from there on, assume his identity and find a way to get back to his own reality. That's what sums it up in a, in a nutshell. There's a lot of twists and turns that happen in there. On our podcast, in a couple weeks, we will be breaking down an entire narration, like a synopsis of the story. We're not one of those bands that says, oh, figure it out, you know. <laughs> um, in the physical versions of the album, we have the story written down and we have the lyrics aside from that. Very Twilight zone story there. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> what do you expect? So beyond Night Demon, I don't know what you want to mention about this. I know that you were working on you were working on trying to make your story a movie and then you sort of shifted into a audio drama. What are you working on beyond the band creative wise? Anything story wise you're working on? Well, look, I the the story for this album was written as a screenplay. I still have that. Making a movie is tough. A low budget movie it costs a quarter of a million dollars, you know, if you want to do a story like this. I've talked to a few directors that I really admire, a couple that have been on your show, actually. And it's just not the right time. Um, we'll see what happens. I would love to adapt this into a film. I love creative writing. I, there was a point during the pandemic where I made it a point to write a short story every morning. And that really helped me with the writing of this, you know, using different story structures and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm a... I'm a student of film and filmmaking and, and uh, script writing and story writing in general. It's a really cool thing to have, you know. Again, I'm self-taught in a way, <laughs> but uh, there's a beauty to that. You know, there's an innocence to that, and you not everything has to be so structured. You know, it's, it's we can only create new things when you color outside of the lines. So um, right. right now it's all music, and we'll see what happens with this record. Well, we've touched on this one about 90% of the episode, Jarvis, but uh, have you ever had any personal experiences that come to mind when you think paranormal or supernatural? Yeah, you know, I did see a spirit once, and I was kind of on a ghost hunt. I was very young, so I don't know. It's These things have a way of, you know, spirits like to give you the little men in black stick, you know, mm. or every have a synchronicity or something you you know you I, I like to have a little journal and kind of write them down when i can now so i remember them because these things do mean something it is a way of the, of the universe or the superconscious or spirits or whatever you want to call it you know trying to tell you something that things are lining up you know and but these days i look at it in such a different way there are so many you know especially when you're talking about extraterrestrial phenomena there are so many different factors that go into it, you know, that I 
personally believe in. And I believe that everybody has their own experience and there's nothing that's wrong about any of it. And I, I, I want to get away from people going out there trying to prove everything and having scientific proof to prove everything. You don't need that. All you need to do is see it for yourself and know that you saw it and know that you believe in it and know that something's happening with you and that there is a greater expanse to to this small, tiny blue dot that we're living on in the middle of a fucking asteroid field. <laughs> So Jarvis, what's the best advice you've received and who gave it to you? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I, there's so many things. <laughs> and I get a few drops in the bucket of some of that wisdom here in this interview. I just could say, look, if you if if anybody has a passion for something, do that. Whatever that is, just do it. Don't be afraid to do it. I mean, look, I'd be lying if I say I'm not afraid of things like there's. But my thing is like, look, if you're not waking up at three in the morning, at least twice a week going, oh, fuck, then you're not living. <laughs> I mean, really, you're not living. You have to push those boundaries. You know, comfort is is the death of a dream. That's well it. said. Well said. So, Jarvis, just to put a bow on everything here. What's on the horizon for you? Anything in the pipeline beyond the new album? Yeah, the album comes out March 17th. The, they, we start a tour that, that day that runs through the entire U, United States. From there, we go to Germany for a gig. Then we go to Japan. Got a UK festival. We're doing a tour of Ireland in May. A bunch of Europe stuff in July and September. We're going to come back to the States and do some one-offs in October. And November, we're going to Mexico and South America. And back to the UK, I think, in December. So that's what 2023 looks like. And yeah, we're just going to keep pushing the envelope here. Well, while I got you, Michael Whalen episode is live, everybody. And uh, he's got some paintings out there for Sirith Ungle. So make sure you bother Jarvis about getting the boys in shape. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we just we just licensed for what he told us was the last of the Elric series. So <laughs> now we have, you know, this it's complete. Sirith Ungle has done all of the Whalen Elric paintings um, with this forthcoming album that's going to be coming out. Um, later in the year so we'll see i don't know maybe he's lying maybe he's making stuff up but yeah michael's a great guy and we're just so grateful that he's been such a good friend of of the band for for so long you know all right well jarvis it's been great talking to you man don't want to i know you got a busy rest of your day here so i'm gonna cut you loose and let you get settled for the next interview thank you so much justin dude you're the man thank you so much that was awesome all right appreciate you man all right see ya all right folks that's a wrap I hope you enjoyed that chat with Jarvis. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back next time. Monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs>
a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.